0: Welcome to another episode of Dr. MC's Self-Care Cabaret Podcast. I'm Teresa Molito connors a PhD-level self-care expert in the greater Boston area with a passion for helping others recognize the importance of caring for themselves. Today's episode is a conversation with Lauren Patterson. Lauren recently published her memoir, Freeing Your Heart for Love. Lauren has a BS in business management and an MBA. She has worked in the hotel industry, property and facilities management, and specializes in customer service. Lauren stewed over the idea of writing a book for the better part of a decade. It wasn't until the realities of pandemic life in 2020 took hold that she decided it was finally time to put pen to paper. Lauren believes everything happens for a reason. And even if we aren't meant to understand why we are all guided to the right place at the right time. Armed with this theory, she approaches each new day with contagious enthusiasm. When she is not nestled into her favorite couch writing, she enjoys spending quality time with her family. I first connected with Lauren on social media through a group of aspiring authors. And yes, I remember when she posted the trailer for her book, Yes, a trailer. It was gripping. So I quickly went to pre-order the book. And I have to tell you, once I started reading it, I could not put it down. I am so excited to learn more from Lauren today. And here is our conversation. Welcome, Lauren, to the Dr.
1: MC Self-Care Cabaret podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Thank you so much for the opportunity and for being a guest on your show. I'm excited, too.
0: Thanks. And uh, I want to just jump right in because I'm really excited to talk to you. I had the pleasure of reading your book. I pre-ordered it and was one of the first to receive it. And I read it like within the first, I don't know, 48 hours of owning it. And that is not generally how I am. I have a really bad habit of buying books and not reading them or starting them and not finishing them. But your book held my attention and it was fabulous. So um, I want you to
1: tell us more kind of about your book. You know what, your comment, I've been hearing that a lot, which makes me feel really good because the way I wrote my book was I wanted to write it in scenes. I wanted it to be entertaining. I wanted people to feel the emotion and keep turning the page. So you're not the first person that said that. Like a lot of people have said, I don't even read books. And I read your book in like two days. I was like, some people, like one girl said she would miss the bus, like stop to like continue reading. And I was like, wow, oh, it was definitely <laughs> so entertaining
0: and, and like what gripping, like you wanted to keep reading. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's, that's, I purposely wrote it that way, but yeah, my book really, it was, um, Something that I would, my friends would joke with me about for like over a decade, they would hear my experiences, a lot of dating stories and boyfriends and stuff. And they would, you know, some people would live through me and they were so inspired by me, but it was weird because I was so depressed inside. So for them to live my life, I was like, you don't want to live my life, right? Because it was not a good life, at least what I thought. And um, people didn't know what was going on underneath all of that smile that I used to do you know going to work and just talking to people they always thought I was happy some people told me oh you have no problems I'm like wow you have no idea because when I would leave work I just cry I cry myself to sleep I cry my myself in the car I you know always crying always depressed severe suicide depression so you know my friends would always say you should write a book and I was like Not writing a book. (laughs) You know, like I don't even, I'm not even I'm not even good in school. I hate English. I don't even read books. I'm like, there's no way I'm gonna write a book. And then, you know, fast forward to last year, April of 2020, I joined a virtual writing workshop. And it was just to do creative writing with a lot of doctors and nurses. I was in the healthcare industry managing facilities and you know, they were uh, doing this for fun. I was like, Oh, okay, sure. I'll, I'll do this, whatever. So I when I was doing the writing prompts, that's when I really started opening up my mind to that all the healing that I didn't even have from from 1989. From my first husband, I was writing experiences about that. And I was crying one day at the table. And I just told my husband, I'm like, I don't know what's going on with me. I'm really emotional with this course I'm taking. Mm. And, um, I just opened up my computer and I started typing. And even at that moment, I didn't even still know I was going to write a book until I joined the Hay House challenge, which is where me and you met. And that's really, that really opened up my eyes to writing a book. And that's when I really got committed was okay. In July, it was July, I believe. Right. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to start writing this book. And so that's when I set my goal. I knew what I wanted to write about. I wanted to write about, you know, the experiences I went through, the severe suicide depression at a very young age, you know, not growing up, growing up in a home with, with love. And so I kind of took that into my teenage years, my adulthood, my three marriages that didn't work out until I met the love of my life in 2017. Like it literally took me like 29 years to figure out how to love myself. And so that's really what the book, like how it was birthed was, my why, you know, like I knew I wanted to inspire somebody going through the same experiences and not, if if I can help them not go through 29 years of what I went through, then I'm going to, I'm okay with putting out these, and you read it, like these experiences, these experiences that nobody talks about, right? Like even my third husband, the third part of my book, I was never going to tell anyone about that. And I said, this is a really important part of my journey because that was when I woke up at 42 and I was like, okay, I'm going to be like 45, (laughs) you know, I'm 49 now, but it's like when I was 42, I'm like, I can't continue to live this way. I can't continue to keep dating. And, you know, am I going to just keep this path of not valuing myself, not valuing my body. And that's when I was decided to like transform my life. So it's just a book of, you know, going through that journey to find that happiness and self-love um, after 29 years of the abuse I did to myself and all the bad decisions that I, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I had no support, like zero support. I couldn't go back to my mom. You know, I moved out when I was 17. So it's like, I'm not going back to my mom. Right. <laughs> so it's okay. just that whole, that's, that's really kind of what the book's about.
0: Yeah, no, it was very powerful. And I, I haven't actually said the the title. You didn't say it either. Freeing your heart uh, for yeah. love. I forgot. And, um, <laughs> You know, there's really some truly raw and vulnerable pieces of your life that you share in that book. And I'm sure that you had moments of doubt during, you know, that whole process. What helped you overcome that?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I had a lot of doubt. Um, I think I even put, closed the computer for a couple, especially the third part, the third husband. That was the hardest part to write. So what I did was I discovered through Hay House, I discovered Kyle Gray and Radley Valentine with the angel card readings. And I started pulling angel cards and connecting with the angelic realm. And I'm like, wow, these messages that are coming through are like real. Like it was how I was feeling. And then I started practicing my Buddhism again, which originally I I started in the 90s, but I pulled out my Buddhist, um, you know, altar for my son because my 19 year old son was going through depression after he graduated high school. So I kind of started practicing that spirituality again. I discovered meditation through Hay House. I did some challenge that came up in my email, and the meditation helped me. And really, just kind of going back to my why. I kept asking myself that question Why do you want to do this, Lauren? Why do you want to do this? And I was talking to myself a lot. And I listened to David Foster's album, 11 Words. That album helped me get through, and jazz music. I would turn on the jazz music, and that helped me keep going. And so every night, I would just designate a time to write, and I would turn on my music and tell my family, "Unless the house is burning down or somebody is bleeding, don't bother me." <laughs> and that worked. <laughs> so, yeah, so my husband, I'd kick him out upstairs to the to the bedroom told my kids, don't bother me. And I would just take that hour every night. It was 7 PM. For some reason, 7 PM was that time where that part of my brain would just open up and just like, sometimes my fingers would just flow. And the jazz music really helped me with that. Um, and yeah, I finished in December of of last year. I, I got to my word count. I wanted at least 55,000 words. So I just calculated it out in my head. I was like, okay, I need to write this much every day. And if I skipped a day, I would just make up for it. And that's really how I got through that writing process.
0: Yeah, no, and and coming to terms kind of with that, that, willingness to be vulnerable. And it actually reminds me in a little bit different, but uh, during my doctoral uh, process of earning my PhD, we had to write a paper. We had to write a lot of papers, but one in particular was called your sociocultural perspective. And in that one was where I had to examine kind of my own stuff, shall we say. And there's been some rather unpleasant things in my life as well. And I had to, um, putting it all on paper for the purposes of this um, assignment and piece of my dissertation Mm -hmm. was very difficult in just I you described it a little bit and and reminded me of this kind of sitting there crying like I would almost get lost in my own little spiral of just life and it was very difficult to kind of because I'm sure that was half the point of the assignment was to be able to to recognize these things and to recognize any bias that you have and things that you experiences that you had that may lead to why you um, you know your social cultural perspective is the way that it is and um, it was a really powerful um, assignment that we had to do and um, that's what when you were talking it kind of reminded me of that because I had a really difficult time getting through that process because you know starting to talk about childhood abuse and recovering from an eating disorder and different things like and and while i was doing that different people were actually coming back into my life that i was actually writing about and people that are rather close to me um and you know, that I don't have good relationships with. And like, they were, it was just, it was weird. And I was like, Oh my God, what is, what is happening? And, um, was just a difficult process. So I can only imagine in thinking about you being so vulnerable and, and open in what you share in your book, that that must've been, um, difficult, but also cathartic in a way to kind of get it out. Yeah. Beautiful. So what do you have, um, a piece of advice you would give maybe if there's another aspiring author listening to this podcast.
1: Yeah. You know, my advice for somebody who wants to write their story, especially I'm hearing a lot of people that want to write a story about painful experiences because they know it will help people just kind of like my reason, but they're afraid to put it out there and they're afraid they will hurt other people Mm. by putting it out there. And so just my advice for that is just, it's your story, right? Really go back to your why. Like I, I knew in my head clearly what my why was, you know? And I knew it was to inspire others and encourage others. And so when I kept going back to that, all of that other outside background noise just kind of disappeared. Even my mom, like my mom, I don't talk to her. I don't have a relationship with her, but she told my, one of my sons, I have four boys and she told the second and oldest, you know, because because he still communicates with her. I don't know why that's that's that wasn't true what she wrote. <laughs> and it wasn't even about my mom. You know, it's really not about anybody. It's your story. It's about what what do you want to to tell the readers? What 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 kind of message do you want to put out into the world? Who do you want to help? And that's really kind of what got me through writing that book and not worrying about, hurting people you know even my kids my kids fathers are in the in the book right because that was my first and second husband so i had to talk to them and let them know you know i'm going to write about the experiences but it's just experiences it's decisions that i made too in the marriage because i really wanted to write from compassion and not victim mode like i didn't want to like bash people right and also right. i changed all the names in the book except for me and my husband so to protect the privacy of those you know i I did that. And so there's things you can do to like get your book out there and not worry about, because I think imposter syndrome and, and who am I to write a book? Who's going to read my book? Like, that's real. That, that oh, can yeah. even <laughs> while, like, even while my book was like printing, I was still like, do I want to do this? Even after like all of that, it was done. You know, I had my, everything was just done interior layout, everything, you know, the whole process. And I was just like, still questioning myself, like, do I really want to do this? <laughs> so it's just like, keep going, you know, keep going. And I'm so happy I, I pushed through all that because it, it is helping so many girls, younger girls, I wanted to reach the younger generation, it's helping the younger generation, which was my goal to, to get to that audience.
0: So, and I think that's really yeah. important because when I think about like you know my self-care work and of course self-love plays such a big piece of self-care you know I think about getting it to younger generations because there's a people tend to wait before they start really taking care of themselves until maybe they're forced to with a scary health diagnosis or something else or they're just getting older and they're facing their own mortality and they start thinking oh my god now i need to take care of myself no you needed to start taking care of yourself long ago and so getting to those younger generations i think that's really really important and i think your book could be really helpful in that area um, and just seeing like, here's this woman that had all these experiences and maybe they can relate to some of them or maybe they can just be friendly warnings. I don't know for, um, you know, <laughs> warning signs for different things. But um, yeah, really powerful. So uh, speaking of self-care, tell me
1: how you like to practice self-care. Yes, I love self-care. So to me, self-care is not selfish. And I know in the past I have felt selfish for taking care of my own needs because I was always about people pleasing, you know, taking care of other people and first instead of me. And so I learned, you know, through my journey that if I can take just even like 10 minutes out of my day to do something that's good for me. So every morning, actually, I'm very blessed to have my job, my day job, because I work from home and I can literally wake up and start my day when I want. So when I before when I start my day, you know, because because I truly believe the first 30 minutes of your day sets the trajectory for you the whole day. And so I use that first hour when I first wake up after my husband and the kids go to school, you know, my, my one son, he's in school still after I get them all out the door, you know, I'm like, okay, now's my time. (laughs) So I just, um, I practice my, my Buddhism. I meditate um, for about, you know, 25 minutes. Um, And then I pull my my angel cards and, you know, I read positive affirmations every morning, um, a positive quote. Um, There's all these things I do like that first hour I wake up Um, and then after that I just go on with my day and it's not like perfect day I would say all the time, but because I have that self love toolbox I like to call it now I have my tools, like if I'm going through something bad during the day. I've just learned to send people love. So I just send people who hurt me or people who say things to me throughout the day. You know, I send them love, you know, maybe they're going through something, but that morning practice that I do of taking care of my own needs really kind of helps me open up my mind to what others are going through. Mm. So having compassion for others, when people are not so nice, you know, even when you drive like on the road, there's so much road rage out there, (laughs) you know, or somebody cuts you off. And I'm just like, well, obviously that person is in a rush and they need to get somewhere. Maybe their mother's dying or, you know, you just never know. And so when I put my mind back into that place, then the day usually goes better for me. So that's part of my self-care is just not worrying about people, you know, worry about yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Cause you're, you're responsible for your own happiness, not anyone else. So.
0: Exactly. And I think we need more compassion and we need to reframe a lot of things more from the lens of compassion because it's easy you know when that person cuts you off to do what get mad at them or you know yell back or maybe say something peep your horn or whatever or internalize it and then now you're in a bad mood or or whatever it is and I think that's really powerful what you said about how you start the day because I also Mm -hmm. think that that's you know really important and I think about Um, like the laws of attraction, and I usually use this example, which comes from The Secret. Which um, it's one of my one of my favorites. I know the documentary is a little cheesy, but it's really good. I love, I love it too. But it's a little <laughs> it's a little cheesy. But they talk about they give the example of if you wake up in the morning and you know you stub your toe, or, or and then you go downstairs yeah. and you spill coffee on your shirt, and oh, this is the worst day. This is the worst day ever. Yeah. And you just keep saying how bad you're gonna have such a bad day. And what happens? You have a bad day. You continue yeah. to attract more of that. So I'm always telling people in my workshops and whatnot like you've got to like shift that and get away from that otherwise you're just attracting more Uh negativity into your life and it's it is really powerful so I appreciate very much that you you talked about that I think that's a a lovely way to start your day Uh uh-huh yeah. Very good. Do you have a favorite deck? I love card decks and I actually have a bad habit of just buying lots of those as well. Long, long <laughs> with books. Um, do you have a favorite card deck? You mentioned Radley Valentine. I didn't catch the other name that you.
1: Yeah. So Kyle Gray is also a Hay House author. You know, I love Hay House. So I have Kyle Gray's deck, Angel Oracle guide um, deck. And then I have Radley Valentine's Angel Tarot Wisdom deck. So, those are the two angel decks I do. And then I have Gabby Bernstein's three decks the Spirit Junkie, Universe Has Your Back. And um, what's the other one? There's a third one. I have I one of hers.
0: That. I can't think of the <laughs> name of the deck either. It might be the one you're
1: talking about. <laughs> yeah. So, I have all three of those decks and every, and I have this, this schedule. So, every day I pull two angel cards from those two decks I just mentioned. And then from Gabby's deck, I pull, Monday, universe has your back. Wednesday, I pull the spirit junkie. Oh, super attractor. Oh, yeah. Friday, I pull super attractor. And I put it at my altar because I believe everybody should have a sacred space in their house, you know, where you pray or where you meditate, like have this space. And I have this space in my house. And so I'll put the cards there so that when I'm doing my prayer, I could read those cards continuously, programming my brain and I do this all day long because I'm the type of person that could slip back. Mm. You know, and it really does help change your mindset. Like truly, I I know this because I'm living it. Like I could be upset about something, but I'm like, it's not that bad. You know, because I'm reading like my whole house has positive words everywhere. You know, I love I mean it's like it's just like threw up in my house because everywhere I pass by (laughs) I can see something, you know, it's like Oh, I am beautiful. Okay. Yeah. My nose is not big. My hair is too gray. You know, it's like, it's not too gray. You know, I covered up a little bit of the gray, but you know, it's just kind of like those reminders. Like I need those reminders and you really have to find what works for you. Cause it doesn't, not everybody's routine works for everybody. Sure.
0: So. And that's the best part about self-care though, right? We can decide what's going to work for us and go with it. I need, I'm like you, I need constant reminders. Like I have to have a thing. I have things everywhere. And when you talk about the, the altar, I, I do have, I call it my self care space, but there is an altar space in that room where I have some of my um, Buddha statues and candles and incense yes. and crystals and some cards that really resonate with me and art pieces. And, and also it's, it's actually kind of a big um, setup and I love wow, it. And awesome. it's. Just, just you know, I set that up in this space when we moved into the house a few years ago, and mm-hmm. I love it. Like it's my my chill space, my self care space, and yeah. it's in the room that I, I spend most of my time in, which is the room I podcast from, also. And um, That's awesome. yeah, I mean, it's it's really helpful. You need those you know those reminders. I also recently did a thing. You'll love this. You'll be you'll be doing this next. I took um, <laughs> my mom saw it somewhere, and I thought it was so cool. I took a piece of duct tape, and I love leopard print, so it's leopard print duct tape, and I put it on the floor in the bathroom on the threshold, like going, you know, so I have to cross over it going in and out of the bathroom at my house. Yeah. And I try to every time I, and I don't do it every time, but me- most of the time when I see it, I remember to remind myself of my intentions or I'll repeat a mantra or I'll just, I don't know. Usually my word that I go to for my manifesting is abundance. So I'll, I'll think yeah. something to myself about that. Or I'll think, um, I don't know, maybe whatever's kind of, comes into my mind for that day's intention. I've had it there for for a couple of weeks now and um I think it's kinda cool. I like it. <laughs> that is cool. I'm gonna borrow it. Uh oh. Lauren's gonna have duct so tape every, all over the time, house now.
1: <laughs> no, every time you step over that threshold, you that come, you have that thought. Yes. Like it's a reminder okay and then
0: so you can do it you know on the way into the bathroom the way out of the bathroom you could do it in any room you could do it in an office or i actually one of the i work in a school um during the day and one of the teachers saw it i posted on instagram one of the teachers wants to do it in her kindergarten classroom and i thought that would be the sweetest thing i'd love to watch the little kids like cross over and then say their little mantras i thought that would be really cool i need to set that up for her but um just, you know, I need those constant reminders and I think that's okay. And I love how you use the card decks also, because those can be really powerful and really good tools to help guide you and point you in the right direction and, and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. And we can link, um, we'll make sure in the episode notes, of course, that we have Lauren's book, but that also some of the other things that she's mentioned and we've mentioned Hay House several times for folks that maybe don't (laughs) know it's a, um, very large publishing company that publishes it was started by Louise Hay and they publish mostly in the health and wellness arena Uh, a lot of self Self yeah self-help and um just they wonderful wonderful things um that they publish Mm -hmm. so that's awesome and they do a lot of free workshops so if you want to get involved and I do recommend and you know any of their free stuff is fabulous they give a lot of information to aspiring writers Uh and authors so that's very helpful um yeah yeah, so that's great. And I know I wanted to talk to you about uh, the relationship domain of self-care, because I know, you know, you share in the book about previous marriages and whatnot. But, mm-hmm. you know, following you on Instagram and having read your book, I know that, um, you know, relationships weren't always um I don't know, challenging in the past, but now you have um, the love of your life as you describe him. And I get to see all the fun, wonderful things you share on, on (laughs) Instagram, you make him dance with you and whatnot. I haven't done that to my husband yet, but I've threatened to. So we'll see maybe, maybe eventually. But, um, so what is, I'm wondering if you could, share maybe a piece of advice, a relationship advice, or just a little bit more about, um, you know, how your relationship now is so different, maybe from previous ones and, and how that came to be?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Because that is that was my whole book was about relationships. Um, so what, uh, what's the difference between now and before? Well, before, I was always seeking validation and love in other people, mostly men. So for some reason, I thought if I didn't have a man, then I wasn't whole. Mm. And that was for a very long time. And I would always, if I wasn't happy in one relationship, I would seek another man while I was in the relationship. So it's like, it was just this continuous cycle in my head that I needed a man to be whole. And I went through that like for a very long time until I figured out after that third husband. So I believe the universe was giving me all these lessons. So I was always the type of girl, if I gave my body to this man, he'll love me more. Mm. If I do this, he'll love me more. And I was always doing things for men, like even football. I I say football because I hate football. (laughs) (laughs) And nothing against the football fans, but I'm just not a football person. I love baseball. I love baseball, but I don't like football, but I would always become this football fan for guys. And I would wear the jerseys. And, you know, I had a boyfriend that liked the Cowboys and I didn't like the Cowboys, but I was just like, go, 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 you know? So it was like, I was just pretending to be somebody. I wasn't every single relationship I had, even my three marriages, I was always trying to be somebody, you know? And with the third marriage, that was the ultimate lesson because I was being served all these exams. I call it like life's like school, right? Like I've heard this somewhere and I, it totally resonated with me that you will be served the same exams until you pass. And I was being served all these exams with these relationships that I kept getting into. And some of them were unavailable men, meaning like married men, men that said, they're going to leave their wife. Mm. You know, they never left their wife. And I was just allowing this to happen. You know, even you read the book with the one guy that, you know, hid me for a whole year because his family was going to disown him. And I allowed that to happen. And it was all choices that I made. That's why now when I wrote the book, I know it wasn't because, you know, they told me to, it was my own decision, but the difference is now with my husband. Now, like I, figured out the self-love part. So I took care of myself first, took a break from the dating, and that's when I met him. Um, And that was really kind of the universe saying, okay, she passed. We're gonna give her a good man now. (laughs) So here you go, Lauren, you deserve it. You know, it was kind of like this passing, uh, like I graduated, (laughs) you know, she finally figured out that she doesn't need to give her body to to men anymore. She has self-worth, she values herself. Um, my husband, he accepts me for all of me unconditionally, everything in the book and more, he knows about everything. And he just still loves me. And he loves my kids. My son now calls him dad, Aww. you know, and it's like, we've come such a long way. And with the trust too. like, I didn't trust him. If I was him, he should have ran for the hills. because <laughs> <laughs> I, I put him through so much like Teresa, like I, I just like I don't even I'm amazed that he stuck around because I didn't trust anybody by that point. I was like 45 when I met him. I was like I don't trust no man. Like, what are your intentions? You know, like I literally had a list of questions of what I want to ask the guy. Oh my god! And you know, when I was on Tinder and when I met him, I was at, literally when guys when I knew guys just wanted to have the sexual intimacy. I was like, not for me. I'm not going down that path anymore when before I would be like, okay, you know, maybe he's the one, maybe he's the one, right. He likes me. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the difference with, you know, the relationship before and now is that I know what I want. I know that what it makes, what it takes to make me happy. And even if my husband, as much as I would be sad, even if something happened with our relationship, like I would still continue on, I would still take care of myself. I would still, you know, move on with my life instead of, taking my life, you know, because when I was going to take my life in my thirties, it was because of a breakup. Mm -hmm. It was because of the guy that hid me for a year. You know, it's like, Oh gosh, I'm useless. I'm worthless. You know, all those negative things that I used to say about myself, I don't say any of that anymore. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say is the difference. (laughs) Well, that's a, that's a huge difference. And I think it's really
0: important to highlight that because we tend to, as women, you know, seek that validation in a man. And, um, you know, I was a lot younger than you when I, I figured that out, which I'm, I'm grateful for, but, um, you know, having grown up with an abusive father, then my instinct was to seek men like my dad. So that's Mm -hmm. what I went after, um, at, you know, at a young age and found men, a lot of men just like my dad and that Mm -hmm. were, you know, not, worthy of any of my love and attention, but I felt like I had to, you know, hold on to that and, and seek that. And that's what I looked for. And then um, I laugh when you say about what you put your husband through. Um, <laughs> my husband calls the period of time when I didn't trust him in the beginning, just because of what I had been through and wow. my experiences. He calls that brave front because i i did kind of torture him for a little while too where i was just very like <laughs> exactly how you described like i i wasn't trusting i didn't i yeah. figured he was just another one yeah. in the same and he's so not and it's very different yeah. from that and is an amazing partner and ex- loves me unconditionally and it goes um you know both ways flaws and you know the good parts and the bad parts of course and um you know but having I think you had to you know I had to go through that to get to him and I think you know he had some unpleasant experiences also and we you know we talked about that and he's like he also had to go through that to then be able to come together with me and Mm -hmm. with the self-love like first piece that's really really important like you can't just wait for somebody else to like fix it for you like and that's one of my favorite books and I will link this in the um the episode notes too is called Cinderella was a liar that book that book actually <laughs> helped me a lot like during my okay. my dating days because it talks about you know the Cinderella complex which is a little bit yeah. like what you were talking about where you know we seek that we're looking for our prince charming and we're looking uh-huh. for the the savior and we're you know whatever and then you get kind of wrapped up in that ideal and it's just um you know doesn't tend yeah. to always work out as we, you know, the fairy tale doesn't always work out. Uh, eventually yeah. it might, but it starts with you not seeking love with another
1: person and
0: seeking that validation.
1: But that's a, that's a hard yeah. lesson to learn. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I write about the, my Noah, you know, from the notebook, one of my favorite movies, but <laughs> I, I was in that fairy tale love story, you know? So yeah, I totally resonate with what you just said. Yeah. No.
0: And that's, um, that's a whole like psychology rabbit hole. We could go down with the whole Cinderella complex and how it's a whole another episode episode where we talk, (laughs) you know, how we teach, you know, little girls about love and, you know, the princess and the prince and like all of that. And we don't need to go into that now, but, um, that's a whole separate thing, (laughs) but, um, really important, really important to, to remember. And thank you for, for sharing all of that. Um, so last, but certainly not least, How can folks find you? Where can we get your book? Where can we learn more about you?
1: Yeah, everything is on uh, my Instagram page at writing is my kismet. My website's there. I have a link there that links to my podcast show, which is show up and love Um, exciting things coming with the nonprofit that I'm launching next year, which is helping teenage girls uh, do self practice self love, you know, a 30 day self love program. So more to come on that. And my book is also, um, in the link on my Instagram, but it's really just my website, laurenpatterson.com. I have several places you can find me. I'm on Amazon too. So. <laughs> Excellent.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much, um, for joining us here today. I really appreciate it. And, um, thank I hope you. folks will, um, listen to this episode and go buy the book cause they're going to be curious. They're going to want to hear, uh, and read for <laughs> themselves all of the, um, awesomeness that you share in your book so thank you for that yeah
1: thank you so much
0: I love that Lauren took the leap to share her story I invite you to consider sharing your story if this is something you've been wanting to do or feeling called to do it is a powerfully cathartic experience to quote Brene Brown you either walk inside your story and own it or you stand outside your story and hustle for your worthiness. To get started, consider your why. Why are you doing what you do? Not just about writing a book, but starting with your why is a great way to get in touch with what you really want. And when we think about self-care and the practices that help us cope, it's really important to consider what's in your toolbox. Lauren describes her favorite decks, which we've linked in the episode notes for you. She also uses affirmations, jazz music, and more. So what's in your toolkit? And think about how you want to start your day. This is very important when we consider self-compassion, self-care, and self-love. We've talked on the podcast before about morning routines. Cherie Dunwell's episode, Don't Feed the Trolls, comes to mind, where she describes taking one minute every morning to check in with herself and developed her morning meditation practice in just one minute. Now, don't tell me you don't have time for that. Lauren also offers some great ways that she starts her day to set herself up for success. Thanks for listening to this episode. We're thrilled to be back with Season 2. Remember to subscribe and rate this podcast on your preferred player. The ratings help us grow and share the message of self-care. If you have comments, suggestions, or questions, please reach out by emailing podcast at drmcselfcare.com. That's drmcselfcare.com dot com and come join the cast party at dr mc's self-care cabaret on facebook and instagram at dr mc self-care on my website dr mc self be sure to like subscribe and love me across all my social media platforms for the most up-to-date information on self-care thanks and be well